You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Some sort of protective tape or wrap on that thumb next time we see Rodgers. Third and goal. Prescott stands in, delivers, and is intercepted in the end zone. Rudy Ford has a convoy. Rudy Ford with a huge play for Green Bay. First interception as a Packer, and it comes in the end zone at a big time. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can send a text message to 865-658-5824. we got a special guest on the pod with us. You guys are probably listening to this either on Sunday evening or early Monday afternoon, uh, the podcast version, but we are live on YouTube and Twitter. We're going to appreciate everybody hopping into the chat and making this a little bit more enjoyable. But who we have on the pod today with us is our buddy Jacob from uh, Packernet Fantasy Podcast. Jacob, it's been a while, man. How you been? I'm doing good, man. It's Memorial Day weekend. It's mm. uh, it's hot in Wisconsin. It's like 83 degrees right now and sunny. Ooh. It's great. That's awesome. Dude. That's what's up. Yeah, just uh, obviously hope everybody's <laughs> having a uh, – a great weekend and, and understanding what it is to uh, what we're celebrating. You know, it, it's, it's always weird to say happy Memorial day, you know, yeah. cause there's really not much happy about it other than, uh, you know, the fact that so many great men and women were willing to uh, sacrifice their lives for our freedom. We definitely appreciate that. And uh, every veteran that you meet, Jacob will say, this day isn't about us. This day isn't about us. But man, when you're remembering those who, uh, who paid the ultimate sacrifice, it's, I think it's important to just say, Hey, Thank you for your service, you know, anyone who's out there serving our country, you know, armed forces, all that type of stuff. So um, with that being said, man, we got a little bit of football going on, right? We got OTAs. Um, I don't know how you feel about OTAs. A lot of people just sit around and bitch and moan and act like it doesn't matter and this and that. I love it, man. I love it. Football starts flying around the Don Hudson Center, uh, Ray Nitschke Field. I get excited, man, because it tells me that uh, summer's going to crank up. And the next thing you know, we're going to be easing right into uh, football season. Um, what's your take on OTAs, man? You get excited this time of year, or do you just kind of add is what it is? Man, after becoming more and more involved with the network, I'm I'm excited for every little part. Like Ryan talks about, yeah, I found so I hadn't played any video games, and the only time I ever had in my life is when I play Madden and I do franchise mode 
or career mode. And I found my, I, for whatever reason, I got the bug in the off season. I, I bought a new Xbox. I didn't even know how to download. I didn't know you didn't have to buy games anymore. You download them. I'm a boomer. Uh, I called my brother, had me say, he helped me set it up and I skipped through the whole season. I just wanted to do the off season stuff. I started making trades, doing the pipeline scouting. I'm, you know, looking at other prospects and I, I really do almost enjoy the off season. I shouldn't say that. I, I enjoy, I've learned to enjoy the off season and take it for what it's worth and to, you know, I love summer, obviously I love being outdoors, but it's nice to have these little tiny bits of football to keep you in touch with the team throughout the season. Now, one thing I will say, uh, I would have loved to see all of our guys there, uh, but it is nice. We had 83 out of 90 guys there for a voluntary OTA. I think that's a really, really great sign. Um, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think that any of the big top three cornerbacks other than Stokes was there, but he was there obviously injured and kind of hobbling around. But, you know, I would have liked to see Jair there. I would have liked to see Razul there. But it's, it's you know, it's their summer too. And um, to get 83 out of 90, I, th I think that's a win. Yeah, I don't even know who wasn't there, to be honest with you, because from the best of my knowledge, I believe Bach was there. He wasn't on the field, but he was, Bach was there. Uh, Preston, Gary, those guys were there, I believe. Um, I know that Jair, Razul, which, uh, uh, one funny one that Andy Herman brought up, which I thought was just really funny, because he has not been to any voluntary OTAs, Jonathan Garvin. For whatever reason, that guy thinks, <laughs> I'm above this. I made the team last year, bro. I don't got to even worry about it. it kidding me i don't need this dude i play four snaps why the heck do i need OTAs? come on so, love it all right let's do this man let's just jump into some of the notes that kind of caught my eye uh coming out of otas and this was live during practice and, and some of this stuff we've kind of hit on in the past on the pod guys i know me and ryan we talked about a few things but i want to get jacob's take and just kind of you know it's funny you get these updates coming in in real time you even do a podcast about them and then two or three days later you go man i really didn't look at it from that angle it's it's amazing how you know, thought-provoking it can be when you have just a couple of days, 24, 48 hours to, uh, to kind of sit and, and dwell on something. But Rob Domofsky said on Twitter, cornerback Eric Stokes said that he had surgery on his knee and foot. They were done at the same time after his November injury. He had a uh, Liz Frank injury and had a plate inserted in his foot. You guys have heard Ryan talk about that on his pod. He said he finally started running a couple of weeks ago and believes he'll get his speed back. When You know, when you hear, I believe I'll get my speed back, I don't know how you feel, Jacob, but that kind of leads me to believe he's probably not going to be ready for week one. I mean, when, when you still don't know for sure if you're going to get your speed back, I have a hard time believing someone's thinking, yeah, week one will be good. Um, we all know that Eric Stokes, that's the strength of his game. Crazy athletic score, uh, crazy physical ability, all the athletic traits. Um, you know, some some people would just say he's lacking in the uh, – uh, what's the uh, the natural instincts, I guess, football IQ, that type of thing. Um, when it comes to Eric Stokes, the thing that sticks out to me is – the way the board sits, and I don't want to turn away from the microphone too much, but the way it kind of sits <laughs> when it comes to the corner is Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes, Keyshawn Nixon, Shamar Jean Charles, and then I've got Carrington Valentine, uh, you know, outside of the red line. They're, listen, they're not going to cut him. They're going to want that rookie contract, I believe, unless he just absolutely craps the bed. Um, so if Eric Stokes does start on PUP at the bare minimum, Carrington uh, Valentine steps right into that role. Do you see anything different when it comes to the cornerback room? I know we've talked about Keyshawn Nixon uh, possibly playing slot, which we'll hit on here in a minute. But are you concerned about Eric Stokes week one, man? Uh, I am, but I'm not as concerned as I was a few weeks ago because at that point, like I remember Ryan touched on it, that they, they were speaking about him like they were about DeMar Hamlin kind of. Like they were like, oh, it's just nice to see him moving and like <laughs> right. breathing. It's like, dude, what's wrong with him? And uh, I think he was in a, what, a wheelchair for a minute. And then 
Um, yep. From what I gathered, I listened to a couple podcasts today and a couple YouTube summaries trying to really get a good grasp of what happened on the OTAs. They said that they saw Stokes m- with a lot more movement than they had seen him in weeks prior because uh, I guess he'd been around or people had been around him. And they said that even at one point they saw Stokes backpedaling. So, you know, I mean, that's more encouraging than, again, what we've heard in the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm a little nervous, but I like the depth we have at cornerback. Obviously, you know, Rizul's not a superstar. Jair, I think, is. Um, and then you got a couple of guys like Nixon. I'm just I'm just really excited. You've heard some of the quotes of this dude coming out of camp and out of interviews lately about the return game and just how he just doesn't seem he doesn't seem worried about anything. He's just ready to go out and ball. And I really, really like that mentality about him. And it's great that he's getting reps, you know, um, the, the the plus side of those guys not being there is guys like Nixon and who is the other one? Uh, Tom or um, um, who am I thinking of? The other uh, backup cornerback that hasn't got a lot of time, but apparently he was running as like quarterback too. Hold on. I'll find it. Two seconds here. What well, Keandre Thomas, was it? Keandre Thomas. Exactly. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I've got, yeah, I've got three below the red line right now um, that are kind of noteworthy. I wouldn't be surprised if all of them made it, although you're not going to carry that many corners. But uh, I'm really excited about Keyshawn Nixon, and that dude's a ball player. And it's nice to see him uh, kind of getting his opportunities, whether it's an OTA or whatever. I hope they move forward with that plan that Matt LaFleur talked about, you know, and playing him in the slot. Um, you know, that's the other thing, too. If for some reason we do hit an injury bug, you know, Darnell Savage played the slot. So that is someone that could roll in the slot, especially with all the safety additions as we're kind of scattershotting to find the best uh, the best five DBs to put out there in that nickel two, four, five that we play so much. So um, I'm excited to see how that unfolds, man. Let's move on to the next tweet, which actually came in from Andy Herman. He said, Van Ness with a would-be unblocked sack off a bootleg. He comes at you fast, and, and with his size, you really can't throw over him. He's an intimidating dude. That's something that I think a lot of people don't understand about the pass rush. And one of the reasons why I would like to see him on the interior during uh, during those nickel rush uh, situations is because when you've got a big frame like that, when you've got that wingspan, man, throwing lanes are everything, especially when you play a shorter quarterback. Um, we've seen it time and time again. You know, that's one way that, that defenses are really, uh, you know, uh, starting to play the RPO game, which we've seen last year, uh, more, most specifically against Detroit, where we had the ball, you know, batted into the air and intercepted there inside the five with uh, with Aaron trying to squeeze in an RPO pass. Yep. These guys are learning, man, clog up the throwing lanes, you know. And it, it goes back to the old days of the three-step drops and the uh, the old West Coast offense where you'd, uh, you'd throw one of those quick hots. And um, with Lucas Van Ness, man, that's, that's one of the reasons why – you know, when you got an athletic profile like he does, uh, they'll they'll choose rawness over someone who who might have a little bit better tape. You know, as far as more consistently at the college game or even more playing time. But um, are you excited about Van Ness, man? Have you come around to the pick? I, I haven't really got to talk to you about it since the draft. I don't believe I personally liked the pick. Um, I thought it made a lot of sense. He was the name that popped up early for us when we were doing our offseason exercises. As far as hey, who makes the most sense here? It's a you know a tier one position of importance. Uh, you got Rashawn Gary who's questionable for week one. I think it makes all the sense in the world with Preston Smith kind of, uh, you know, entering the back half of his uh, – more than back half of his career. Yeah, How do you feel about Van Ness? Yeah, um, I I really do think it was a great pick. Much like you, I was all on the Van Ness train with most of my mock drafts. And then for whatever reason, I read some stupid article. You know, when sometimes you read one stat and for whatever reason that stat will stick in your brain. I read that he's yeah. never started a game. And for like three weeks, I was like, ah, he's – you know. And then I heard – 
an interview with, I believe it was the head coach or maybe the defensive line coach at Iowa. And that was just the way that they, that's how they structure their team. It's how they reward their seniors. A lot of really good, you know, programs do that. And then when you look at the snap counts, I was like, oh man, I'm an idiot. And then you'll look at the guy's natural born ability with his freak athletic stature. And then you add in the fact, if I'm not mistaken, he's only played football for like a very short time. He's basically a hockey player that adapted into playing that. And he's just kind of still learning his learning how to use his body pretty much. And they said that he has a better skill set out of the gate than Rashawn Gary did. So if that's the case and he's six, five and he's two seventy, and he looks like he could, I mean, do you know what he ran? He ran, I think a sub what four, four, six, I think, it was a four, I think he ran a four five forty. That's okay. So I, yeah. and I think Andy Herman said specifically on this play, something to the fact of, yeah, he's unblocked, but, they had no idea. Like when you un, when you leave a guy unblocked, you expect that you maybe have just a slight bit of advantage because he's unblocked. He's like, "What's happening?" You know what I mean? He shot that gap. He said so quick that even though obviously it's a, a dummy practice and you're not going to hit that quarterback, but if that's a live scenario, I think Andy Herman was like, "That that quarterback's dead," or he, at least he's throwing the ball to God knows where just to get it out of his hands. And that's that's very and well, we'll get into it. But I think that our edge, we could have a sneaky deep edge. Um, rotation this year with guys yep. that if they take a step up which we'll talk about guys that need to but it, it, that could be i'm excited about our defense i know we say that a lot <laughs> around this time of year each year but i am yeah no i it's one of the things i hit on last week uh i, I, I laughed when i said it you kind of giggled when you said it i looked at the ed, the uh the the board back here and i looked at the edge room and i'm like dude we're stacked to edge like and, and it's not to say we've got a bunch of studs ready to start but it's like that backup the backup position, if you're just going to carry five edge defenders, man, it's going to get <laughs> it's going to get interesting. You're going to have some guys, and that may bite Jonathan Garvin in the rear end, not coming to OTA. That's what I'm saying. I, so, that guy's uh, yeah. very, uh, very comfortable with his job, I guess. But, man. Yeah. Interesting stuff, man. All right, let's move on to the next one, man. This next one's uh, about our boy Keyshawn Nixon. I'm, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm jacked to see him in the slot. But uh, Andy Herman says, Keyshawn Nixon with gorgeous coverage on Watson down the sideline. Watson tried to go over him, and it didn't work. Let me say it again. Christian Watson, the giant that is Christian Watson, tried to go over Keyshawn Nixon. It didn't work. Incomplete. Nixon gets praised from the sideline. Love with a gorgeous throw to the corner of the end zone to Dylan out of the backfield, but dropped off the hands. So Dylan taking a little stray in that tweet. We didn't plan on reading that, but I'm going to read the whole tweet. So, um that's kind of been one of the knocks uh, on AJ, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, so when it comes to Nixon, man, I mean, right there you're seeing him go up against our number one wide receiver. Um, when you look at Keyshawn Nixon, you don't think of him as saying, okay, yeah, he could play a boundary corner position and cover deep down the sideline. But whether it was in the slot or not, obviously Andy Herman didn't go into that much detail. Um, but you go, you got Christian Watson trying to go up over him and Nixon making the play. The dude's just a freaking football player, man. The person that I think of when I see him play, there's two people that come to mind. And please don't get me wrong, guys. Can I I'm say it and see if I if I got it? Yeah, yeah. Go He's ahead. Got that dog like Woodson. Oh, but I wouldn't give him. I was getting ready to say, I, I'm not saying he's a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame Woodson, caliber but. player. But when you talk about someone who just has a knack for finding the football, someone who's he he he's not the fastest guy on the field, but he's always taking the first step because. It's like he doesn't have to think long as long as other players. Um, there's just something about him. He's a football player. When you put him in the return, is that what you're going to say? Were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say Woodson and Micah Hyde. Those are the two that come oh, to mind. 
because yeah. Micah Hyde kind of had that same thing. It's like, man, he he doesn't look crazy athletic. And, and Woodson, in my opinion, didn't look crazy athletic by the time he got to Green Bay or at least in the latter years in Green Bay. But he was just always a half a step before the play. And that's kind of what you see with Keyshawn. We were watching, I was watching a game earlier here, and I've seen him flash a couple times in the Patriots game. And it's like, man, I, I don't know how I overlooked it so much last year, but kudos to the coaching staff if they are going to come through and do – uh, what they're talking about and playing him in the slot over Savage. And and that's the thing, too, that may force us. It kind of – oh, Jin and Yang, man. It, it, if we play him in the slot, does that force us to start Savage at safety, you know? And we've seen how bad Savage played at safety last year. Let's hope he can turn it around. Jacob, you and I were saying this at this very point last year. <laughs> we never turned it around. But – at the same time, man, you got to get your your best five out there in the nickel when, in the D in the DB room when it comes to that. So, um, I don't know, man. I'm uh, um, I'm very very interested to see what Keyshawn Nixon does in camp and some of the camp reports because right now, man, he seems to be one of those guys that's stepping up as a leader. I wouldn't be surprised if he's voted a team captain this year. I really really wouldn't. So, how do you feel about Key, man? You excited about it? I, I am, and like you said, I just uh, he just seems like he's that kind of player. What was the quote? Uh, when they were asking about the the, um, uh, the stupid new kick return rule, did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. Or he's like, I don't really give a you know. He said it's really kick it. I'm gonna re- I'm gonna return it, and like <laughs> it's great. They basically said, you know, what do you think of the new rule where you can fair catch outside of the end zone and get it at the 25? He said it's irrelevant. I'm, I'm I've always I'm ret- I've never fair caught anything, is what he said. I believe. <laughs> so he's yeah. like, he's bringing it out, man. And, and dude, that saw- strikes fear into opponents you you remember dude it wasn't it it was just seemed like it was yesterday when the bears had hester every oh, time God. you kicked the ball to him it was like god here we go and you know i i don't know man it's gonna be uh gonna be interesting to see what key key can do here we've got uh somebody here in the chat we got john in the chat said packers still need a vet to back up kenny clark um i think that's a fair uh fair opinion there john um we're going to talk a little bit here in a minute about Devontae Wyatt when we get into second-year players who need to step up. Um, but, yeah, that that defensive line room, I'm going to take it a step further, John. Um, I personally believe that, that Kenny Clark has not played up to his full potential, man. I feel like for the amount of cap hit that he's that he's eaten up, you want more out of that guy. Um, you know, he, he cut weight last year. Jacob, you remember this time last yeah. year. We were talking, talking about, about his like, pass rush ability. Yeah, he's this gonna be coming be in and he's gonna dominate pass rush, and it just it never came together. I think Kenny is an awesome dude. I think he's a hard worker. I think he's still young. Um, I just want to see him come out and, and, and be a dominant interior defensive lineman like we know he can. Uh that's a big thing for me. So moving on to the next OTA note here. This comes in from Andy Herman as well. And he said Jaden Reed, rookie wide receiver Jaden Reed with a nice release and catch over the middle. He made a move and looked awesome. Then he forgot the ball and fumbled clean. Uh, <laughs> defense picks up the fumble. Interesting coaching point from Matt LaFleur. If there's a fumble in practice, he doesn't want his offensive players going after it. So I guess he's trying to prevent injury there. I don't know, man. When you play scared, that's when yeah, you get hurt. That's but I'm also a redneck with a podcast. I don't I don't coach NFL football. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But um, Jaden Reed. I'm, I'm all on the hop train, Jacob. You know, on draft night, we're doing the draft broadcast. I've talked about this on the pod over and over and over. It surprised me. When they traded back once, I said, all right, they like somebody here that, that nobody else is on. And, and then right. they traded back again. Right. When they traded back the second time, my mind changed to 
um, they're going for Jalen Hyatt because this feels like Eddie Lacy. You know, Eddie Lacy, they they refused to pick Eddie Lacy twice, if you remember. And then they finally like, okay, this just makes sense. We got to get him. I was expecting Jalen Hyatt. When they said Jaden Reed, I was like, how did I miss this? Like, what, what am I missing? I go back, watch the tape, and it's the one note that I had to put in the uh, – uh, put in the spreadsheet this year, Jacob, for, for the draft next year is make sure you look one year removed because he had an unbelievable 2021 season and you could tell the quarterback play was much, much better that season. And that's what the coaching staff seen. I'm actually doing a two episode, two, yeah, two ep- episode podcast where it's going to be chalk talk, Jaden Reed. I've got 17 plays from that 2021 season, dude. I could not, I was trying to cut them down. I cut it down from 23 to 17. I'm like, I'm showing them all the heck with it. We'll do two episodes, but uh, Jaden Reed, like I said, Eddie Herman talking about cleaning up that ball control. Now's the time. Now's the time to fumble. Now's the time to identify, Hey, look, he's got ball, you know, ball protection uh, deficiency there. So um, how do you feel about Jaden? I, again, so if I go back to my draft reaction, I was as lost. What, what do you call? I was lost as a fart in a fan factory. Yeah, yeah. that's where I was. I was. I was like, who? Who is this guy? I'm looking at my <laughs> list. I'm looking at you. Looking at yours. I'm just, you know, dumbfounded. But again, you take a step back. You eat a, a slice of humble pie and realize I have no idea what these guys in the front office have been doing. And that's a good point, Clayton. When you said, um, go ahead and uh, make a note so that next year. We have to look at the year prior because that's a great thing. So let's add that within with the, what is it? The RAS crazy score. You have to be over a certain age, but not quite over a certain age, if that doesn't matter. And then there's the big school, but not really a big school because there's Creighton Washington. So basically you got to look at everybody and it's just, okay. Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't know. It's um, I'm just, I'm, I don't think I've ever felt in my adult life because Literally, we've only had two quarterbacks and a very set cast seemingly going into each year. This is such an up-in-the-air coin flip at almost every, I shouldn't say every position, but a lot of different positions. I mean, even, you know, you look at guys like, um, I like we talked about guys like Garvin, these tweener guys that either could make the team or completely be lost for football for the rest of their lives. And it's really cool to see who could be that guy. I mean, I'm looking at dudes like if Sean Ryan, we talked about how he was taking some snaps at center randomly. And maybe that's just a stab at trying to save a third a third round pick from being cut. You know, I mean, Goody, I'm sure he seems like he's um he's very reluctant to get rid of his guys. If that, right. which I love it. I you know I want to I want them to have a little more time and show what they can do. But um, you want to move on to the next position, or what do you think? Um, yeah, just to to kind of wrap up Jaden Reed there. Um, what I was talking about, I actually went back to my notes from the uh, the chalk talk segments. I'm going to be doing 2021. First team All-American, 59 receptions, 1,026 yards, 10 touchdowns. Jacob, he averaged 17.4 yards per catch. This dude, I couldn't tell you how many times I wrote on a note with a specific play, nine yards after the catch, 14 yards after the catch, seven yards or eight yards after after contact. This dude's running through arm tackles. If he had come out in the draft last year, he would have been a first-round pick. There's no doubt in my mind. But, you know, obviously he wasn't wasn't available or wasn't able to, but – yeah. Um, yeah. So, and the the last thing that slipped my mind when you were talking about it is um the way again Herman made it sound like is that it wasn't like he bobbled the catch or nothing. He literally just he was looking to make the next guy miss. He he thought he had the catch, and that's just one of those little things you got to shore up. Like, but that shows that he's not even thinking about the catch. He's thinking about the guy he's going to make miss next. Which if you're a yak guy or a, which I mm-hmm. that's what we love, dude. That's um, yeah. that's Randall Cobb incarnate. 
I think out of the 17 plays on five different plays, I wrote aggressive eyes. And what I meant by that was the second he made the catch, he was already looking yes. to make somebody miss. And that's so, yeah. what Herman said is he literally was like yeah. <laughs> grabbed it and just started like dinosauring around corners. And, and that's, again, I'm not trying to draw crazy unrealistic comparisons. I'm not saying that he's Tariq Hill, but that's how Tariq Hill plays. Yes, he's quick. Yes, he's fast twitch. Yes, he's world-class top end speed. But you see the second that ball touches his hands, He's already identifying who am I going to juke out of their freaking jock right now. <laughs> and that's what I want to see in Jaden Reed for sure. Uh, John in the chat here says, I thought they would have gotten Branch. Um, yeah, John, I'll tell you this. If they had drafted uh, Brian Branch with that first-round pick, I would have done backflips and Ryan, Ryan would have kicked, kicked me off the stream so quick. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I think Branch is going to be a good player, but I also understand the concern because there were a lot of people that I trust uh, within the draft community that were saying they see him more as a corner than a safety. So um, could you see a scenario where if you remember this time again last year, we were talking about Kyle Hamilton and why he would probably fall in that draft because of the, you know, the RAS wasn't there, the the bad pro day was there. And then what did he end up being last year? If I'm not mistaken, was he not the number one safety in all of pro football? My my draft board last year and, and I'm now compiling a master set to where I have everybody's grade to where in the database we'll be able to compare past prospect grades to current prospect grades. That's my goal for next year. And last year, number one, I had Aiden Hutchinson, phenomenal rookie season. Number two was Kyle Hamilton, and everybody laughed at me. He fell all the way to 14, and he did, Jacob. You're right. He graded out, according to PFF, the top safety, not the top rookie safety, not the top rookie DB, the top safety in the entire National Football League. So um, and, sometimes is, you gotta, and his RAS to uh, just to be clear, it was it was fairly solid. It was just that wonky 40. He ran that sideways 40 and his 40 yard dash was bad. And everybody's like, oh, what's you know, come on, dude. Like, really, you can see the speed on tape. And some people have just got football speed. You know, um, I don't know. It's a good fit for him in Baltimore, too, I think. So great fit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the last. Can oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's just I'm going to pick at Ryan real quick because I was listening to his uh, – I can't remember what, who was what the recent – it was in the last two episodes, but Ryan said something to the fact of Kyle Hamilton will have to have some negative regression next year because, you know, he was the number one safety. But I will argue with Ryan, he did that as a rookie with – coming into year two, arguably you'd say you'd take the biggest jump as your NFL career. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. for him, I, I would say that that – maybe lends to believe that he could be a, a repeat offender for being one of the best safeties in the league. If he's doing it as an absolute rookie with no real um, veteran knowledge. I mean, they say that the game goes so fast from the time that you're a, a college player to the NFL. And if he can already grasp that as a rookie, then imagine what he can do with Charles Woodson type years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, you know, it, I'm of the opinion that, that I kind of see positions a little bit different. Um, safety, I think is one of those positions that, you know, a quarterback will have a sophomore slump, right? Sometimes a wide receiver will have a sophomore slump. And the reason being is the defense is keying in on the things they did well. They now you have to become multidimensional. Now you've got to read the defense a little bit quicker. Now you've got to be able to look off the safety as where your rookie season, you know, you didn't have to do that. With safety, I feel like it's one of those positions. It's probably going to be the uh, a lesser amount of regression as far as you know, potentially regressing. But – um, at the same time, if he does regret this regress this year, they've seen the ceiling now, 
and they'll work him back up to that ceiling. I don't know. I, I have a lot of faith in Kyle Hamilton. If he stays healthy, you know, it's like anybody else in the league. Um, it just hurts because being a Notre Dame fan. Uh, yeah, that's right. No one who distance to fix the safety room. And you guys know I feel like that free safety center field spot is a tier, uh, tier two uh, position of importance. We already had a good edge defender. We always felt we already felt like we had uh, a decent interior defensive line, especially, you know, with Devontae White. If you were to trade up with that other first round pick and maybe uh, bundle something else together and get Kyle Hamilton, your safety room would be in a lot better shape. But again, man, if he'd have come out and flop, Jacob. We wouldn't even be talking about him right now, right? No, so it's hindsight's twenty twenty for sure. Yep. Uh, all right, let's do this, man. Let's move on to um, the next. Is there anything else you want to cover as far as OTA notes? Let me ask you that. Is there anything else that stands up? Because we're going to get into this next segment with the uh, second-year players who need to step up. Anything else in OTAs that kind of caught your eye? Yeah, just um, Quay apparently maybe had a little bit of a minor injury, it sounds like. Uh, he was off to the side. It looked like he was uh, initially doing like some more – solo type drills. And then it was shown that he was clearly uh, limping at one point, as well as uh, Grant DeBose, uh, DeBose, DeBose, whoever he says his name, which I still, you know, we have a really deep, I, I really love it that we have a lot of competition. This guy that they just uh, signed from, was it Ham, Hammond or Hamlin or whatever? Uh, mm-hmm. J- Jakaris or Jakari, I don't, he scored like 10 touchdowns last year, had like 2,700 yards in two seasons. So, I mean, we got a lot of guys. I think he's 6'3", he runs a 4'5". So, I'm just glad we got a bunch of dudes that are there. Mm-hmm. It's good to see that we had, again, 83 out of 90 guys. People seem like they're having fun, lots of energy, yeah. high spirits. So, I love it. Yeah, the locker room's wide open, man. This is a, an opportunity for these young guys to uh, to mold this locker room into what they want. You guys know I was a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. Still, you know, still am. He's, there's going to be a day he comes back. The numbers retired, and he goes down as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Packer of all time. Um, but he controlled that locker room. He, that locker room went as he went. It went as he and Bakhtiari went. They controlled the humor. They controlled everything about it. That's not abnormal. That doesn't make them bad guys. Now those that that big that big I don't want to say big personality, but that that icon of a player is gone. That locker room's there for the taking. And the person that I'm telling you that really comes to mind for me that's stepping up is Keyshawn Nixon. He's one of those guys that he seems yeah. like he's going to be a vocal leader. Jair Alexander, I think he'll be another. Um, Devondre Campbell, man, I, I just love his quiet approach and how he approaches the game. I think you're going to see that dude ball out this year, Jacob. I think he's going to be healthy, and I think Devondre Campbell's out to prove something. I love his freaking attitude. He's just got this attitude on social media and all the way across yes. the board. Listen, yes. <laughs> if I don't agree with you, I don't care. This is how I feel, and if you don't like it, unfollow me. Dude, I love that. I respect mm-hmm. that because every person is their own individual person. If, you know, it, Bill Walsh quote, it, it, I got it right here. I was actually taking notes earlier on a Michael Lombardi book. He said, if we're all thinking alike, then no one is thinking. And we live in a society where it's yes. let's make sure everybody's thinking the same exact thing. Nothing great ever gets done. And that's how you get pushed into a corner. And uh, I don't know, man, it's just – there's no innovation that ever came from everyone thinking the same way, man. Absolutely. It's, you know, a multitude of opinions that in the locker room, having a locker room that's open and honest with each other. That's what I'm kind of talking about. I don't think they had that last year. And I think, uh, I think this year, uh, you know, now it's just going to come down to another Bill Walsh quote where he said, I've got a ton of them here, man. I just happened to open my phone up. Champions act like champions before they're champions. And yeah. Keyshawn Nixon's yeah. attitude right now, it, it kind of feels like that. Jair Alexander is going to compete. 
with everyone. Rashawn Gary's one of those dudes. He's going to work your butt off the field. Like, yes. I, I don't know, man. I'm fired up for this season. This young guy, it's going to be awesome, dude. And Before, what you said about the wide receiver room is so true, man. Another one that I'm excited about is Tay Wicks. Um, I was if, say, yes. Yeah, if I remember correctly, he had two two deep passes, right? That he yeah. they, they, OTA. they said that he was showing um, that he quietly was showing like very very impressive flashes, and that's kind of what a lot of guys that scouted him said. It's like you know you kind of some. I think Ryan said that something like they couldn't quite tell if he wanted to be a football player. And honestly, at that point of his life, I don't blame him, dude, because at that point, he probably still had in his mind or realistically other options where it's like, do I want to put everything I have into the basket of being a pro football player? I think he said he wanted to maybe be more of a was it maybe he liked basketball more or something like that along those lines where I think that the scouts, that was his biggest knock was something like we don't quite know if this guy loves football. Gotcha. Um, and if you're going to be one of those guys, I think that what we've seen so far and what I've kind of read between the tea leaves is that once the decision was made, yep, this is my career choice. Now it sounds like he's, he's all in and that he's taken it very seriously. And I have to believe that the Packers would do their due diligence before they brought a guy in just yeah. on a flyer. Would they get him in the, was it the fourth or the fifth? I don't even remember. It was later I though. It was, sure. I thought it was maybe fifth. Um, mm -hmm. That's a valuable pick still. And I don't think the Packers are going to throw that pick away on a guy they don't believe is ready to dedicate his life to football. And yeah, it sounded like that from what, again, Andy Herman and a few other guys, uh, Boz on YouTube, if you ever check him out, he's a great, great follow. He was talking about how, uh, how they just seemed like, yeah, they were, they were having some chemistry early and I, um, I don't know, dude. I'm just, again, I'm just super pumped because there's so many young, what do I think we have the youngest team on the offensive weaponry. Like if you look at the, the running backs, the tight ends, the wide receivers, we are, our average age is what, like 24 or like 23.5 yeah. or something. Yeah. The, I've never, we've never as a Green Bay Packer nation had an off season where we're going into an, uh, a season where it's, I mean, I don't want to say coin flip, but it's such an unbelievable array of unproven talent, but also uncapped ceiling talent. We don't know what these guys could be. I mean, even like Quay Walker, you know, I, I love the emotion that guy, obviously he needs to learn how to bottle it up and not punch trainers and stuff like that. That's one thing I would, he did punch him, but you know what I'm saying? He's got to learn how to harness. You kidding me? You tried to murder him, Jacob. That's what everybody <laughs> on Twitter said. Yes, I, see, man, I was like, the way people were responding, I'm like, bro, y'all make it sound like he 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 hit him with the the damn stone cold stunner or something. Or, like, what are you talking about? Or that they're a bunch of ballerinas. It's like they're professional football players out there that like they're gonna be aggressive. Like, sorry guys. Um, up, man. Yeah, they were just they were ready to. Yeah, it was. I was. It was. They need to kick him out of the game. He should never hey, be able to play again. Play I'm like, again. What are you talking about, bro. Do never. Don't visit Tennessee. You're not gonna like it down here. I promise you, man. Like we're. <laughs> I won't even get into it. But anyway. Yeah. yeah Can I just, ask you one more question before we get into the uh, most improved or needed yeah, to improve? Probably, Do you think being a small town, um, and that's been our kind of knock on Green Bay is we're a small town, one headlight town. Do you think that the announcement that now we are hosting the NFL draft gives a little bit of any sort of, what's the word, vibe boost, more of a, um, an ego boost to our team, our, our team members, the younger guys, maybe that Green Bay is becoming more of a, a I don't hate to say like a flashy team because I don't want us to be that. I don't want us to be the Cowboys. I don't want us to be a big city team. I love the fact that we are what I want. And I almost guarantee I will go on record saying right now, our draft, I bet you will be low key. One of the best drafts ever, because I guarantee you we're going to outperform what they did in Kansas city. 
because I know people that never Ryan Schlipp's talking about going to the draft, guys. Ryan Schlipp yeah, I was, would I was not like, leave his go, front man. yard let's go to go to a game. If it was in the like if it was in his neighbor's house, Ryan Schlipp would not go to his yard. Okay. So I'm just saying it's it's clearly bringing people out. I'm excited. I've already gotten 17 texts from people that I have not talked to in years that are like, Where who's driving? Where are we going? Who's where are we gonna stay? You know, so and that's great for the team. I love what uh what the front office has done. We've gotten a lot of crap, but if you look at what uh, my, uh, Murphy and and obviously Gutekunz and before that Thompson, what they quietly have been doing in that city mm-hmm. has been amazing, and it's been it's it's cool. It's really yeah. really cool. And people that have talked all this stuff about our front office think I mean you guys need to really just you don't know what you're talking about, and you don't know it from a business side, a player side, uh, an economy side, a social networking side. And as far as like just any, uh, the city of green Bay is so thankful for those guys. Like the people that live there are so thankful for bringing that commerce to that city. I mean, it's anyways, we'll get off. No, to to answer your question, it had, it had a, an opportunity to, to do that very thing. But unfortunately, we've got a bunch of freaking knuckleheads in the local media up there that want to make every every possible say. See, you're going to get me on a rant here, and this is what you do. You always gas me up. So they they think that what's important to them trumps anything and everything that's ever happened to the Green Bay Packers. We don't have enough five-star Michelin-rated steakhouses that they can wine and dine at. And what, and what cracks me up is they're there. Like I They are actually there. <laughs> We had one guy in the media the other day bashing. He was absolutely bashing Mark Murphy and making fun of the jokes he was made. He made the same jokes over he's there, and he was mocking his voice and this and that. I'm like, and then he goes on to to basically say in the same podcast that he couldn't afford to pay a vet bill and he had to make payments on it. And I'm going, so you're saying Little Green Bay isn't good enough, right? for the draft and it's not good enough for you. And like Ryan says, they want to go rub shoulders with big executives and act like they're further along than it. Jacob, what they are, you've seen these people. They're in the club carrying around the same freaking $8 drink and it's warm. They've been carrying around for three hours because they can't afford another one, but they want to act like something they're not. If, if you're not that person, who cares, dude? Just be you. And if people don't accept you, the hell with them, right? That's the way That's the way life should be. But when you get to the freaking point where all you do is tear down any and everything good that happens to an organization that you're supposed to support, that, that literally provides you your job. He was sitting there mocking Mark Murphy, and I've seen him in the locker room over and over and over, and you ought to see him cower down, this little tiny man. Who, oh, yeah. who's standing behind players going, oh, yeah, yeah, and then goes on a podcast and bashes the crap out of them. Mark Murphy led the NFL in interceptions one season as a safety. He played in the NFL. If I understand correctly, he's got a law degree. He was the top guy at Northwestern University, worked his way into this role, was literally – he was personally mentored from what I understand, one to three years. It was at least one year. It might have been as long as three years by Bob Harlan. If you guys don't know who Bob Harlan is, he's the reason Lambeau is where it is today. He's the reason that the atrium even got created, and he cast the vision for Lambeau Field being this 365-day uh, you know, year-round destination to continue to churn money for the organization. But you've got these idiots that are in the media, and, and more specifically locally, and, and me and Ryman on this rant the other day, 
And, and that's all they care about is me, me, me. Ah, how can I try to make someone else look stupid? How can I tear them down to make myself look more important? Like I understand what the organization needs more than they do. If you knew more than them, you would be further along in life. You freaking moron. It just cracks me up. Dude. I, I would love to sit down face to face with these people and record it and just have a football conversation and just embarrass the absolute crap out of them, whether it's X's and O's salary cap. Uh, heck, we could talk business models. We can run a 40 yard dash, whatever you want to do <laughs> just to embarrass them because that's, you can tell that. Yeah, I don't know. I, the best way to put it, they, they've never built a monument for critics, right? It doesn't happen. And it, it just drives me crazy that, that green Bay we've wanted something like this for so long. And now we've got an opportunity to showcase what the city is, to showcase what the fan base is. Like, I think it might have been Dakota or someone else, which Dakota's in the chat. Appreciate you there tuning you in. Someone in the chat or someone uh, on Packernet After Dark called in the other night, and he said the very thing. He was like, dude, they're going to they're gonna see just how friendly Packer fans are and how inviting Packer fans are and their hospitality. Dude, the first time that I went to Lambeau Field, Jacob, and I'm going to end this rant, I go up there not knowing what to expect. I had just become a Packer fan. I'm like, I got to see what this Lambeau Field thing is, and I fell in love. We pulled up and parked in someone's yard. This was in 2003. I paid them to park in their front yard. And the guy said, hey, listen, man, if you guys need to use the restroom, if you're tailgating, the door's unlocked. Feel free to use it. If you park here, our house is open to you. I was like, what is this place? Like, this, yes, right? it, it's, a, it's just an unbelievable place. But, again, those guys that get paid decent money to cover the team and, and be in and around Lambeau Field on a daily basis don't appreciate it. And – Familiarity breeds contempt. That's exactly what it comes down to. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, let's move on. Second-year uh, <laughs> players, I'm fired up, man. I just I hate it when people. No, are and I I would all right. Last thing I'll say is just can you just imagine the gift from the Lord or whoever you pray to that your job is that can you imagine Clay? I could imagine me and you going to, going to work. You clock in and you get to be there. You get to see everything. I mean, we've stood outside those gates. We've stood. I got to stand on that field once when I did the tour. And I got chills. I mean, I just, just standing there, just being I, there, just yeah. not even nothing going on. Imagine having to, that's your office nine to five. And for whatever reason you find that your job is to make it go negative 24 seven. I mean, I just can't, I feel bad for you, man. I really do. Yeah. I feel, yeah. I feel bad for you. In the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. 
And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's, uh, It's ego, dude. You know, yeah. as cliche as it sounds, yep. ego has no amigo. You know, get to that freaking point. The head does because the us. Exactly correct. So I don't know, man. Um, but yeah, no, I'll tell you this right now. If I ever got the call, hey man, we want you to come up here and work for the Packers, bro. Um, I'm Mandy already knows we're packing our stuff. <laughs> He's got to go. We'll, we will still have this house, <laughs> but we will be purchasing something in Green Bay, and I will be. Um, hiring in multiple people to opt to, to run our daily businesses Security. and I will Security. be in green Bay chasing the dream, bro. That's it's that simple. So, um, and just a little heads up, we actually are looking at some property in green Bay that we just found. So that's, Uh-oh. that's, that might be right around the corner. So, um, we'll see what happens there. I've already got, I'm, I'm already <laughs> Mandy. It's funny. She, she kind of approached me too. And she was like, what, what if we bought this property and did three tiny houses on it? and lease them out for game day weekends. And then it's there for your podcast network. It's there for, we can rent it out when we're never there. There's just a ton of things you can do. But again, that's how we think these other guys are sitting in Lambeau Field complaining. I lived in a tiny house in Nashville for a year. Amazing. It's just me and my dog, but it was, it's, I'm telling you, people will pay big money for that. That Anyways, we'll talk about that later. That's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. So we got Dakota in the chat. He said, I made a live episode. I don't know what that means, Dakota. I don't know if you shared if you shared ours or you're your only fans or you might be selling feet pics. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> but we appreciate you, man. If that was something to support us, Dakota, you're the man. Do we I'll tell you this, bro? Continue to call in on Packernet after dark because you're the you are the man. Um is he the Tennessee guy? What's that? Is Dakota the Tennessee guy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love, yeah, I love yeah. him. Uh, we got John in the chat says, can't wait, only live uh, 45 minutes away. See, that's the other thing, too, John. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking at people that live. If I lived, and this is just me personally, if I lived within two hours, I'd be there every weekend, bro. I'm just telling you, that's just me. And I understand it. You know, people got responsibility and, and you know, finances and all that comes into play. But uh, I don't think I would ever get tired of it, man. I just, uh, man, I love it. I absolutely love it. So um, let's do this, Jacob. Let's move on to second-year players who need to to step up. All right. Um, this about turned into a Packer net after dark. We had to get back to football. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but I, I love it, man. It, it all has a time and place for sure. Number one, um, uh, it's, these aren't necessarily in order. I just went uh, from the offensive depth chart through the positions, and I found four players that I feel like it's really, really important for them to step up in year two. Okay. Oh, let me let me do this. Let me share this real quick. Um, I promised people that I would do this if I can get it to pull up here. If you guys do want to support the show, I'm going to put this up here for just a few minutes. People have been asking, hey, how do I support the show? This is an easy way for us to do it on Restream. That's the Venmo that's attached to uh, Packers Total Access. So if you want to, you can scan the QR code and you can donate 
10 cents, whatever you want to do. It don't matter to me. But anyway, people have been asking. I'm going to leave it up for just a second. It always feels awkward promoting that stuff. But when you get when you get multiple people asking, it's like I don't want to uh, knock them out of the opportunity to support us for sure. So um, number one on my list, like I said, not ne necessarily in order of importance, Jacob, but just kind of going offense to defense, Romeo Dobbs. You know, a lot of people talk about Romeo Dobbs as if he's a – uh, a solid number two receiver. I don't see Romeo that way. I don't. Um, it, not to say that he couldn't be, but that's just kind of uh, – his PFF grade was a 62.6. We know he had some drop issues. I feel like he cleaned that up. Watching his Patriots game, he actually had a fumble there in the first quarter, things like that, You know, fairly common for a, a rookie wide receiver. But PFF grade was 62.6. He ranked 123rd in the entire NFL. So you tally that out, that's basically a number four wide receiver. And that's comparing apples to apples, receivers to receivers across the league. Okay, so if he was a solid number four next uh, last year, let's see if we can work him up to being a solid number three. I'm not talking about him coming out and having just astronomical numbers and a PFF grade of 80 plus. We're just simply talking about let's get better year to year. People forget that Romeo Dobbs was a later round pick, and and I did check that for you just a second ago. Tay Wicks was a fifth round pick, Jake. I forgot to mention that. So was Romeo fourth. What's that? Romeo was a fourth, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So so when it comes to Romeo, if he can just if he can just improve, man, maybe crack into that top 100. Uh, and, and again, PFF, guys, it's not the tell all end all. I personally find it when I watch the tape and I do watch every play three times, every play from last season, I've watched at least three times, some cases more than that. I tend to lean towards the PFF grades are pretty, pretty accurate as far as grading out how a player plays. Right. So that's just kind of how um, how it plays out for me now. Um if he increases to a number three receiver role and Jaden Reed does live up to the expectations of being a number two, potentially a number one, that wide receiver room is going to be in pretty good shape. What do you think about Romeo Dobbs, uh, Jacob, here in this uh, this second year, uh, second year campaign? Man, I I'm not exactly sure what I think. I did you feel like did you feel like he he performed really well last year? Because I feel like. The common thread, the the vibe I got from Packer fans was like, "Oh no, Romeo Dobbs is a stud," and I was going, "I, I think he's, I think he's, he's held his own as a rookie." But so, I, I think know. he's a product of the, you know, how we can get on the media for being anti-hype. I think he's a product of the media going pro-hype. Um, just if you remember in the off-season workouts, the OTAs, the the rookie mini camps, all that kind of stuff, they're like Dobbs, 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 Dobby. They couldn't pronounce his name for like the first half of it. So, yep. um, and by the way, speaking to people that can't pronounce names, Enigbare, which I said, that's his name, guys. <laughs> all right. So there's, it's Dobbs, Enigbare. Um, but so I am hopeful. I actually do think that I see Dobbs as a number two. I do. Um, just because not necessarily that that's what he's going to, stay as and he's cemented in that way but coming into this year specifically we got watson we got dobbs my sneaky pick uh, I'll, I'll pump the brakes on that for a minute but my thought for dobbs is that he's going to definitely be in that comfortable number two at least for the first six to seven eight weeks of the season if Jaden reed then starts kind of becoming more familiar with the system if if the coaches obviously if um <clears throat> they just you know the Packers are so hesitant to trust rookies I think they yeah. definitely trusted them a lot more last year which was great to see obviously between Quay and Dobbs and uh, Watson and and Wyatt I wish they would have done a little more with Wyatt but I I I, I think Tory is going to be my guy um as far as my under my guy that needs to step up around. I'm sorry. There's a lot of buzz around him for sure. And Vrabel, the the wide receiver coach, is that who it is? 
Yep. He said that, like, watch out for him. He's been here every day. He's been working, and he's looking very, very solid. Um, I believe that he was he was one of the guys that I'm a sucker for seventh-round wide receivers. I'm a sucker for, <laughs> you know, I was on the Jay Kumaru hype. I was on the um, – who was the guy that I loved? Janice. Uh, I love Janice, too. The guy that fumbled the second he got the ball. Maybe? No, the guy last year, remember? Uh, I was uh, – oh, God. He caught the ball. Oh, oh he, yeah. Um, God. And then he fumbled right away. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? I can't. Yeah. I can see uh, him. Yeah. I think I can one of the Geronimo too. Allison, obviously, is not. No. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. Yeah. Whatever. We got to move on. Just go. But, <laughs> I, I just really do. I believe because not, again, I believe it's early season reps that he's going to get as that solid number two. As then, uh, I'm saying that uh, Dobbs is going to get that number two. I think Torrey depending on injury because it's it's we're really banking on the fact that watson dobbs and then now reed are going to stay healthy if any one of those guys has any sort of injury whatsoever tory i think catapults immediately to number two or number three and the fact that he has been doing a lot of off-season workouts that he's been doing a lot of stuff that the coaches really like i just and the fact that again that gudikins is so hesitant to get rid of anybody that he's drafted i think they want to try to keep this guy on the field as much as they can so that's that's my guy. I, I do really think that Dobbs is going to have a better year than a lot of people. I think that I'm more pro Dobbs this year than a lot of people were last year going into the season. He had some drops. He had some fumbles. I do like his mentality though, and I think that he's going to be um, growing. So yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm excited, dude. I think that right now my I think it goes Watson one, Dobbs two, Green uh, Reed three, Torrey four. And then I don't know after that. Gotcha. It wasn't Malik Taylor either, was it? Nope. It was God, number, 88. number 88. Uh, what's his name? He was on the practice squad on and off for two years. And I said, this guy's great. He's so fast. God, I, I know. You. Winfrey. 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 Juwan Winfrey. Jeepers. There it is. Got it. Nailed it. All right. So <laughs> in the chat here, John says uh, – Dobbs was so up and down last year. Were you looking season. for that that whole time? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was coming through everything. I had to go to 2021 because he didn't he didn't technically make the rosters on no, the practice squad. No, he got lifted up like week three, I think, or something. You could tell this is the offseason, man. I'll tell you what. Um, John says yeah. Dobbs was so up and down last season. I really like Torre. And it's so true, man. It, there was times that Dobbs – I mean, you've seen a couple of catches he made here in the Patriots game after the fumble. It was exactly that, up and down. He fumbles on the opening drive or the, the second drive, I believe. And then it was like later on the game, he uh, he made that back shoulder catch from Aaron and then made another diving catch in the end zone yes. uh, there in the, yeah. in the back corner. So it, it was very up and down. But, yeah, I think Dobbs has a lot of potential. Um, the, uh, the next player that I feel like it's important to have a good second year, he had a great rookie season in my opinion. He's arguably the best rookie we had last year, um, and that was Zach Tom. He graded out as a 68.3. You could see it all over tape too. Held his own at whatever position they put him at. There were some positions he was a little stronger than others. Um, you guys know this was Ryan Schlipp's main guy coming out of that draft. He This was the guy, one of the guys that he liked, and he was pounding the table for, and the, and the Packers took him. And, man, you could just see it, Jacob. This guy, he has great spatial awareness. Um, he, he didn't have the best technique, but he never he never got too far out over his pads. The dude was just a solid offensive lineman, 68.3. That grades him out as the 88th best offensive lineman. Okay, Not guard, not tackle, not center. Overall? Overall, out of all offensive linemen the entire NFL, he was 88th, which you guys do the math. You know, 32 teams, 
64. That puts him at a, in a, at a number three spot, which means he is a solid, solid starting offensive lineman when you oh, compare yeah. apples to apples across the league, right? Now, some of you are saying, okay, well, are you going to start him over Elton? No. Are you going to start him over Yash? Probably not because Josh is on that tender and, and, and guys' money says everything. Same thing with Darnell Savage. Oh, yeah. um, if if Josh is the starting right tackle, here's what I want to see Zach Tom do. I want to see a three-way competition for the center position between Zach Tom, Elton Jenkins, and Josh Myers. And the reason I say that, let's do a little comparison here. Zach Tom, 68.3, 88th best offensive lineman. Josh Myers was a 60.4. So you're talking about a significant upgrade if you put Zach Tom in at center. Now, listen, I know it's not Madden. You don't just plug and play anyone anywhere. And the goal overall, Jacob, is you want as little movement as possible. What you don't want to happen is have – you don't want to have happen one guy go down in a position and you've now got to move three offensive linemen around. You want it to be something where it's just one person moving around. Zach Tom in a backup role probably makes the most sense. Let's, let's say the offensive line is left tackle Bach left guard Elton Jenkins, center Josh Myers, right guard John Runyon, right tackle uh, Yash, right? And you got Zach Tom backing it up. He can play all five positions. So if one person goes down, nobody else has to move other than that backup coming in. That's very important. However, if you say, all right, Zach Tom is going to be starting center, you upgrade significantly from a 68.3 uh, or to a 68.3 from a 60.4, but – if he goes down, or let's say not if he goes down, let's say Yash goes down, right? Now you got to move Zach Tom to right tackle. Now you got to bring Myers up to center. That's a lot more moving parts. But how do you feel about uh, about Zach Tom? Do you do you want to see him start? Uh, and am I, dude? Caught me off the ledge here. Am I am I being a jerk when I talk about Josh Myers and, and feeling like he underperformed? Or do you are you okay with the way Josh Josh Myers looked on tape? No, I. Uh... Josh Myers, I'm, I'm, I have no, I have no problem saying that I want him to compete for his job, and if he doesn't earn it, I have no problems. You know, I've, I've been on the fence with him. He's a giant center. I would expect him yeah, to be, have a lot more power. Um, you know, I think that when they did the initial starting lineup, it was Yash at left tackle, Royce at left guard, Myers center, running at right guard, and then Zach Tom at right tackle. Um, and I don't mind that. I like Yash. I, I've always liked Yash. I love that size and that freakness, uh, freakness, but, um, with Tom, I mean, I just, again, I love the fact that you can probably plug and play that guy anywhere <clears throat> to me. Myers has been our biggest weak link in that group of five. Um, and I just, we've given him what now, two solid years to really show what he has. And I haven't seen <clears throat> a lot of it and I don't know. I don't know if I'd be willing to let Elton go to center because of how good he could be at a guard or a tackle position. And it's kind of the same thing I think of as Tom. So it's like, I don't want to just waste, you know, I, I'm not a, you know, I'm not Mike wall. So I don't really know a lot about anything as far as the offensive line goes, but I would be interested to hear what his take would be. I would think that obviously you put your priority is if he can play tackle, play him at tackle. If he can play guard, play him at guard. If he can play center, then you stick him at center. Now, maybe he would say that's that's different if the quality of the center that he plays is so much better than that he could play a guard, if that makes sense. You know, so I don't know. Um, and I'm not, again, a scout. And it, that'd be great if Mike could ever, if you get him on here again, just be like, where would you think based on your evaluation of these guys, where they fit best? I'd love to hear that. Um, that's a great question. We'll do that next time we have him on. Um, yeah. I kind of. 
I kind of asked him about Myers, and uh, and he definitely said Myers took a step back. You know, he, he felt, did. and he and there was no hesitation in saying it, which made me kind of go, okay, it makes me feel a little bit better because, you know, the last thing I want to do is be the only person out here going, this guy's underperforming, yeah. and and <laughs> yeah, you, I I don't. I don't ever want to come across as I understand football better than a player, a coach, a scout, the custodian that works in Lambeau field. Like, you know what I'm saying? I am, I, I don't ever want to come across like that. It's just center. I think is very important. You know, when I had coach on, we were on chalk talk. Um, I, I brought up to him. I said, man, am I wrong thinking that center is becoming just as, if not more important than left tackle. And he said, I understand what you're saying but we got to pump the brakes. That blind side is still the most important aspect of the offensive line. You know, if you're two in Miami, right tackle is the most important aspect of that offensive line. A right-handed quarterback, it's left tackle. But he was like, I completely understand what you're saying with center. It, it is definitely the second most important position on the offensive line. So um, I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why our offense might have taken a step back last year. One of many reasons. There's a number of things you could point to. The wide receivers led the league in drops. Aaron Rodgers had a broken thumb, banged up ribs, um, offensive line. You're starting left tackle, starting left guard, wasn't right for the first third of the season, you know, um, and your center underperformed. So there's a lot of things you could point to. But uh, that center position, man, I mean, you look at it, Jacob, the two teams that were in the NFL, uh, that were in the Super Bowl, right? The center for the Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl champs, was the guy that we all know we, we took Josh Myers over him in that draft. And he's one of the, one of, if not the best centers in the uh, in the entire National Football League. And on the other side, with the Philadelphia Eagles, you had Jason Kelsey, arguably the best center in the game. It just shows you how important it is. Something else both those teams had: solid tight end play. You know, so um, yeah, it's just something to think about. So Zach Tom, I think if he takes a, another step forward and and you know possibly takes over at center or left guard, and move Elton back to his original position of center that we drafted him. Um, I think that could be absolutely huge. So let's move on to Devontae White. He's another player that I feel like needs a that that could be huge or needs to step up in their second year. Devontae White had a really good rookie season. A lot of people don't know it. You know, he had when people said, Oh, but he didn't hardly play any, it's true, but he still played over 200 snaps. So it's not a small sample size. It's just he should have been in the lineup more often. He his PFF grade came to a 69.9. Jacob, he was the 36th highest graded interior defensive lineman in the entire NFL, 36. What does that mean? He is one of, if not the best, number two interior defensive linemen in the game. You know, the majority of the time, defenses are matching 11 personnel across the board. It is hands down the offensive personnel, one running back, one tight end, meaning there's three wide receivers. That triggers your nickel package in the Packers system. And in most cases, a nickel package consists of two edge defenders, two interior defensive linemen, two inside linebackers, five DBs. Um, he, he graded out as top-tier number two defensive lineman, that second interior defensive lineman. Why did he not get more snaps? That's the big question. Jaron Reed ate up a lot of those snaps. Is there something there we didn't see? Was there some kind of disciplinary you know, action going on behind the scenes that we didn't know about? I don't know. Um, but I do know this. I'm expecting Devontae Wyatt to eat up all of those reps alongside Kenny Clark this year. And, uh, you know, Kenny Clark, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. We kind of let off with it. I'm just going to mention yeah. it. 66.4 PFF grade. Guys, he is not performing like a $20 million interior defensive lineman. Now, Jaron Reed, the guy that Devontae Wyatt will most likely replace, a 61.9 last year. So, Devontae Wyatt graded out better than Kenny Clark 
and Jaron Reed, you get Wyatt in the uh, in the lineup more often, then you're I think you're going to see a big improvement there in the uh, in the run defense. So, what do you think about Wyatt, man? Yeah, I just wish I saw more. Um, and that's one of those weird things where we were seemingly more willing to play rookies last year, but for whatever reason. Um, and what was it? John talked about how we need to get a uh, still need to get a vet to back up Kenny Clark. I I just kind of disagree because now we've got that quote unquote vet. He's not a rookie. He's not quite a vet vet, but um, we lost uh, Dean. And I don't necessarily, I thank you for your service, but um not going to miss you, man. Um, yeah. So he was just a guy. And I think that he, if, gosh, I, I did Dean get more snaps than Devonte last year? Do you know that? Do you have that on yeah. a quick click? I'll, I'll right see if there. I can pull it up. You keep talking. If, I'll pull it if, up. If you swap that right there, I mean, if you just give him that additional maybe snaps per game, or if you just now, <clears throat> because it, I don't know, would we have maybe Jonathan Ford? Uh, other than that, there's not a lot of guys that are going to be stealing snaps from Wyatt this year in theory. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean, we did see uh, snapshots. I remember Sam Holman showed a couple of clips, some post-game stuff where you watch some, some of the, like, the, the snap movement, the the quickness that guy gets off the line and then the violent hands that sometimes he has where he can just randomly chuck dudes out of the way. So I am very excited to see him take a, a big leap. Um, can I tell you one of my guys? I only had two. I know you have four. Yeah, no, yeah, go ahead, man. So my guy. Oh, let me say this. I'm sorry. I did look it up. Dean Lowry had 400. Uh, oh, he had 400. He had 482 snaps, so he had twice as much, roughly twice yeah. as much as Devontae okay. White. That right there, boom. Nope. I, I would expect that he will get 400 snaps easily. Nope. Uh, go ahead. My then. other guy <clears> – <throat> go ahead. No, you. that's what I was saying. Go ahead with your guy. Okay, so I – Kingsley Anagbari. I touched on the name. Right. Not just the name to me, guys. Uh, he, he flashed to me, and he was one of those guys – I believe he was a fifth-round – guy that fell to us in that draft i think that was correct um and he was one of those dudes that people were like i think he was like a third round projection so again one of those guys that maybe we capitalize on and i did see flashes i really really enjoy um again our depth at edge between garvin and him do we still have what was it ladarius hamilton is he still on the mix god i can't remember but yeah. anyways we we uh we got a bunch of dudes and they're obviously, again, I don't think Gary's going to be ready to go. I would, I'd be shocked. I'd say like week four earliest, maybe, or, or five or six or whatever they were saying. Um, but again, Preston getting up there in age, he seems to have that weird thing where he has an off year and a great year. And I don't know exactly which part of that cycle we're on this year. <laughs> so that being said, man, I just, I hope that Enigbare maybe takes Van Ness under his wing. We got a couple really good young, you know, physical freaks that are just chomping at the bit to get there. And I, touching back on Kenny Clark, I mean, that, what is he? He's still like 26, isn't he? Like he's crazy yeah, he's, he's young. Still young. 26, 27. Yeah. Something I like just, that. I just really wish that guy could figure out how to unleash the beast because it's just been very underwhelming. Yeah, yeah, Hollins. Justin John just talked about Hollins again. I forgot completely about Hollins, who mm -hmm. was starting to show signs of being another great goody offseason pick. So, yeah, I think they're going to try to keep him around us too. So, what do we think? You think you, they're going to keep five edge? Um, edge, yeah. Last year, if we follow the blueprint from last year, we had five that we kept. So that means what I've got is Rashawn Gary. If he's ready week one, 
Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness, uh, JJ and Ibarre, uh, Kobe Wooden, which they're saying Kobe Wooden has put on the edge. <laughs> yeah, he might be playing defensive end now because I think they've got him at like 283, 285. Um, so if that's the case and he does slide to the interior, that might knock Jonathan Ford um, off the uh, roster at defensive line with six there. Right. So you got Hollins, Wilson, Hamilton, and Garvin, which we know Garvin is too too cool for school right now. So um, <laughs> I forgot about Wilson. That's right. But yeah, when you talked about Kingsley, um, you know they say he wants to go by JJ. I don't know why they don't change his name then in all the databases. But uh, anyway. PFF grade was a 61.4. He did have 465 snaps. Guys, 61.4, yeah, it's not great, but that's a late-round pick. Like, you're getting some good production. And there were several games, you know, overall defensive grade against the Jets, 90.5. Overall defensive grade against Tennessee, 80.8. There were some gems in there. Don't get me wrong. There was a 28.8 against New England. There was a 38.1 against Buffalo. But that's what you expect from a rookie up and down. But, again, that Jets game, a 90 uh, pass rush grade was uh, hands down his best. And, and I think the thing that he was most consistent with was his tackling ability. And it's hilarious because when we seen him coming out of college, uh, Jacob, we, we were like, you know what? Yeah, he's going to be, it's, it's going to be rough uh, having him in the run fit, but he should be a good pass rusher. And lo and behold, his run defense really graded out pretty well. So uh, yeah. It's, funny how it's that a 90 coverage grade almost too. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started. Yeah, <laughs> All right, let me move on to my last guy here. As we uh, we right. just cracked the uh, the hour mark here, so this flew by, dude. I'm glad we did it. This is fun. Um, Quay Walker, man, we have got to see some improvement. Um, you guys, you see it right down here. I don't know if you can see if I can do this right oh, there. I got his that. autographed jersey, dude. I love everything about the dude. I love his attitude. I love his aggressiveness. When he tackles, when he gets to the ball, he gets there angry, and I love that type of football player. Um, he's a guy who's got all the physical traits in the world. PFF grade, 51.9. Um, I had people that were trying to convince me that, no, PFF is way off base. Look at the tackles. Yes, he had a lot of tackles. There were people that were trying to explain to me on a read option that it was he didn't do anything wrong when he was chasing the running back across the field while the quarterback was running up the opposite <laughs> sideline. I'm going, how can you tell me? That's not an issue, bro. Like you, it, it, there's there's some disconnect there. But that's the thing when you draft someone for RAS and athletic profile, you're mm -hmm. drafting because you know there's a ton of potential athletically. Now, can he put it together? Um, there was times, Jacob, that that I seen it and was like, this dude's going to be a beast, and I still believe that. But 51.9, he graded out as the 133rd best inside linebacker. Now, keep this in mind: in a nickel. Defense, there's only two inside linebackers, right? So that means in the top 64, right, the top 64 means you're starting quality. He was twice as bad as that. He, he would literally be a fourth string inside linebacker if you strictly went off the PFF grade alone. I personally seen that on tape. There was times that I seen the flash like that dude can be special, but he's just got to put it together. Now, let's go back to that draft night when the Packers took him Every one of us went, who? I went downstairs to Manny, and I'm like, she's like, who be draft? I said, Quay Walker. He literally said, the country singer? I'm like, yeah, they drafted the country singer, man. But she was saying, like, it's Clay Walker, like the same name? No, <laughs> And she looked at me like, who's Quay Walker? I've never heard that. None of us know who he is. I guess he just got here from outer space, and he just pops up on the scene, and now he's the best linebacker in the draft. I don't understand. But 
I was I was on board when I seen the athletic profile. Like, okay, this this is definitely a goody pick. Um, I got to see a big jump from him, man. And and again, what I just told you, Jacob, what I seen on tape, he was lost in the run fit, absolutely lost. His run grade on PFF thirty four point nine. Run defense, his tackle grade sixty three point five. You put those two together, and that's how you're one of the worst run defenses in the league, along with Kenny Clark underperforming in the run game as well. That's what I'm saying, man. <clears throat> People love the bash PFF, but when you put on the tape and you look at the overall statistics and you go to the PFF grade, more times than not, the PFF grade lines up perfectly with it. I think they're doing a good job over there. Uh, and, and again, it's not the tell all end all, but um, what do you think about Quay, man? I'm not saying we're giving up on him. I think this year he's going to bounce back big time. I think you'll see a PFF grade in the sixties at elite at least. And I think you'll see someone who's a little more prepared the emotional stuff doesn't bother me, dude. It don't. I want someone who who actually cares. First of all, let me say this. I'm going to turn it over to you. Let's not forget that the official touched him first. Yeah. That stuff, plus, I believe the trainer did too. Yeah. Not. That, that's what it was. The official – no, the trainer and then the official. But you're right. It was the yeah. trainer. Like, listen, you don't want the players to touch the trainers. Tell the freaking trainers not to touch the players. It's like umpires in baseball. You guys know exactly. the baseball when umps try to overshadow the game and make it about them, dude, like I'm not talking about little league baseball where you got people the fans are clearing and, and you know drunk uncles or fist spotting an old, you know, back home the umpires in our town were coal miners, dude. I'm not kidding you. They would oh, come right in with coal dust on their face, put the mask on and say play ball. It was like it was I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about these umps that you can just tell they want to make it about them. You know who it sounds a lot like, Jacob? These local media That's guys who are just talking about same, same, uh, same little man thing. But Quay Walker, dude, what do you think? You think you're going to see an improvement? Am I being too harsh? How? Looking back on last year, how did you feel about Quay Walker? And you do not have to agree with me, obviously. What do you think? No, I again, I I love the guy's mentality, and I really do. Uh, he needs when you say that you're not really bothered by the emotional stuff. I'm not bothered by it, but he does need to harness it. You need yeah, to understand how to completely. Um, People forget that you're a six, what is he, six, five, 250, runs a four, four, and he's 21 years old. He's 22 years old. Right. I, if you gave me that body and that speed moron, at 22 bro. years old, my God, they would be. I'd be in prison. <laughs> I would be in prison. I would, I would, or then I'd probably break out of prison and then do it. You know what I'm saying? Like you are an actual super freak of a, of a, of a human being. And with that great responsibility comes with that great power comes great responsibility and he's he's learning and he's going to learn how to hopefully hone the mental part of his game because if he can hone the mental part the physical traits are there we've talked about that that's why they drafted him now if i'm going forward as gudekunst in my draft maybe i look at a guy like him and i say man he does all have all the physical traits in the world but maybe we do need to put a little more in the fact that he can diagnose plays he can dissect offenses pre-snap you know what i'm saying so it doesn't have to just rely on his physical traits to react and go chase them um <clears throat> you know i think that that's probably what separates the guys that are good from being great like we talked about kyle hamilton maybe he his physical traits aren't there but if he can see certain things pre-snap before they develop so that he can get his body in position to overcome some of the uh the physical traits that he's lacking i think that that's probably yep. so if quake can do that if he can develop the mental game because he already knows the physical part is there then i think he's going to be a freak 
So yeah. he just has to 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 hone his game. It's got to be a little more get get zen, dude. Start doing some meditation or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, I got you, dude. Um, get into gardening, Quay. It helps. Hey, the gardening. Do it, man. We're not talking about the bog- devil's lettuce either. We're not talking about the devil's lettuce. <laughs> none of that. <laughs> that wacky back. Now, um, the one thing you can you can say about Quay, a couple of things. He's got all the physical traits in the world, and you could tell it means something to him. Yeah. When he was walking down that tunnel last year. He cares. And, and everybody was mocking him because it looked like he was about to cry. Bro, you could see all over his face regret. You could see that he let his team down. He let his coaches down, and he realized it. And it was – and it – they took it as he's go. Look at it, you know. The haters were like, "Oh, look at him. He's, he's like, you know, why are they doing this to me?" No, he was saying, "Why did I do that?" Like, so I can't well, believe. He said, I he said "Why did I do this to myself?" That's yeah. what he was saying. Yep. He didn't exactly. say, "Why are they doing this to me?" You could see that was a man completely coming to grips with what he just did and realizing that I just hurt my team, I just hurt yep. my fan base, I just hurt my family, I just hurt my reputation, and he's wearing it on his sleeve. Honestly, I have no. That doesn't bother me whatsoever because as a person that's done stupid stuff in my life and then the only reason sometimes that i've learned wow that was really dumb is because it was so embarrassing when you look back at it sometimes you have to have the spotlight shined on you in your dumbest most naked moment of being an imbecile because you realize well i'm never going to do that again because i would just got <laughs> looked like a you know what an idiot you know what i mean so i and literally he was on he was on national television millions of people saw him at his worst moment i think that if he what we'll see now is whether or not his parents raised a man or if they raised a boy because what he'll do now is he'll decide i'm going to use yeah. that as fuel or i'm going to use it as something that's an excuse so yeah yeah i'm excited to see him turn it around i believe he will um we're going to hit on a couple comments here and then we're going to get out um we're way over but man it's always a blast talking ball with you um we have uh King of the Hill, DJ Key. What up, DJ Key? <laughs> he said, can we get D-Hop? And then the next comment comes in and shuts him down and says, no D-Hop, too expensive an injury an injury prone. Um, kind of sad with John on this one. This is how I feel about D-Hop. Um, yes, there's been injury issues. D-Hop uh, doesn't have a huge uh, set of uh, crazy physical skills. He's not going to take the top off a of defense. The thing that D hop has is catch radius and strong hands. He creates just enough separation. He's a possession receiver. I think he's one of the greatest receivers to play the game. I really do. I think there was a time where he was arguably the best wide receiver in the game. Hillman Devonte Adams, similar to, you know, good route runners don't have blazing speed, great hands, great catch radius, all those things. Um, the thing about D hop though, two things. Yes. He's, he stayed injured, but he also tested positive, right, for a banned substance, which means how that last good year he had was that a clean year, you know? And I try not to talk about this stuff on on this pod because, you know, some people disagree and say there's nothing wrong with the, the performance enhancers. It's not the the steroids of the 70s and all that. I'm not a doctor. You can tell by my accent. I, I read at a third-grade level, right, and speak English at a third-grade level. So when it comes to D-Hop, I would say no. And the main reason is an old Bill Parcells philosophy, you know, a line that he used. He would refer to D-Hop as a progress stopper. Yes, he may be better than the other receivers on the roster, but he's going to take reps away from these young guys. And, again, what are we doing here, guys? We're doing kind of this reset, not a rebuild, but we're going, all right, let's back up a step. we got some really good pieces in place. Let's see if this guy can step up, that guy can step up. You're building a roster with cash over cap. You're getting your cash over cap cleaned up in the next three years. You got all these young receivers on these rookie deals, right? 
and you're going to be able to really make a splash as early as next year or the year after, whether it's free agency or being more aggressive and building the roster. D-Hop just doesn't fit into that uh, any at all for me. Now, for you to say, oh, you need a veteran presence in the locker room, I think that's a valid argument. I really do. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But at the same time, he has no chemistry with Jordan Love. He's going to have to develop that chemistry with Jordan Love. And every second that he's spending that spending time developing that chemistry with Jordan Love, you're taking chemistry away from Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, and on and on. What do you think, Jay, or, uh, Jacob? Do you agree or no? I completely agree. We had a rookie wide receiver last year in Christian Watson that ranked 24th, I believe, out of all wide receivers. Mm-hmm. You go ahead and you take a guy that's on the absolute back nine of his career, who, again, who is not – Maybe he has certain measurables, but he doesn't have the kind of measurables that Christian Watson has. Christian Watson's floor last year is a guy that's, what's he, 6'4", freaking, runs a 4'3", like, and he has a, you know, a jump radius. He's got the, 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 the yak ability. He's got the take it from behind the line, doing the end round stuff sweeps. I don't want to take an aging D-hop and throw him into our number one, because like Ryan said, if you grab the guy, you have to play him. You immediately have to play him. He is yep. on the field no matter what. Every third down, everything. He is on your, he's on your books, and he's on your, he's on your team. No matter what you're doing, he's on your team. So that means immediately Watson goes to one, or goes to two, Dobbs goes to three or four. That means Reed maybe falls out, maybe Torrey falls out. For what? We have him for one year. I mean, we saw what we did with Watkins last year, and again, uh, Hopkins is not Watkins or Watson. What the heck am I trying to say? But. It's the same kind of principle where we're, and we did the same thing with Cobb last year. Let's take an old, old guy and then let's just kick a bunch of new guys that maybe are the new Cobbs, the new Hopkins, the new guys that are going to be the up and coming number one receivers in the league. I really do think that Christian Watson can be that. I talked about, I saw, uh, I can't remember who called into PAD. He does have bigger quads now. I'm telling you. I looked at him. <laughs> Whatever Mama it. Watson's giving him in those sandwiches, man, keep eating him. Yes, yeah. it's, it's funny because <laughs> Ryan said, and it's kind of strange when you're talking about another man's legs. Yes. But then, and, I, and I was thinking, yeah, it is. And immediately I was like, what does his quads look like? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's the same thing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> as far as D Hop's PFF grades, we'll start in 2013 and we'll go to the present. Okay. Starting in 2013, 68.7, 84.0, 90.4, 77.5, 90.2, 92.4. 87.3, 87.1, 79 point8, 72.9. You know, you see the trend there, right? It's 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 gone down one, two, three, four, five years in a row. He tested positive for a banned substance. He's been battling injuries. I think there's just uh when you take that into consideration, and again, uh uh DJ Key, <laughs> again, I you know, I don't think I don't think it would be a, a horrible idea if they brung him in, but if you're asking my personal opinion, I'm cool with them not signing him. If they did sign D Hop, you know we're all going to be like, all right, let's go. We got a solid number oh, one yeah, my or, or two good. number ones in Christian Watson and him. Again, when you take into consideration the wide receiver market right now, and I think you would have to compare D Hop, you know, coming off of uh, a banned substance injury, what have you, and then you see what happened with OBJ. Same thing, coming off an injury, that dude got paid a lot of money. I think that's the kind of money that D Hop's going to drive and. I just don't want to see that tied up in the cap personally. Nope. So, uh, yeah. All right, man. I think we've hit it all. Jacob, is there anything else you want to touch on, man? We're at the hour 20 mark. I appreciate everybody uh, hanging out with us. I know we got a good crowd in here, uh, both on Twitter and YouTube. We really, really appreciate y'all uh, making us a part of your Saturday evening here. Um, Jacob, anything you want to touch on before we wrap up, bro? 
No, man, it's just good to talk. Good to talk ball. Excited for the summer. Excited for Jordan Love era. Excited for – if you guys want to stay tuned, me and the uh, Packernet Fantasy uh, podcast boys are probably going to be cranking maybe at least a podcast every week or two. Just We're going to start doing some mock drafts, some – just different things with uh, fantasy football just to keep everybody interested and it'll be fun. You know, that we always, we don't take ourselves too seriously over there. So we just more or less like to crack up and make people laugh. So that's what we do. Love it. Love it. I'm looking forward to that content for sure. And also looking forward to another season of uh, Packers total access post game show with you, Jacob, man, I had a blast last year. Uh, That was a rough year, man. And we made it through, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. If we can get through that year, I think we got a lot of blue skies ahead of us, man. I, I do too, man. I think this year is going to be. A, I I could see, I could see a six or a seven win season. And I'd be like, all right, let's go, let's take a step in the right direction. I could also see ten or eleven. I really can. Going ten, ten at least. Yeah. Ten's my floor. It, it kind of ten kind of feels right, doesn't it? So, mm-hmm. all right, man. We're gonna get out of here. Thank you all for hanging out with us. Like I said on YouTube and Twitter, appreciate you. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for uh, making us a part of your day. Hope y'all have an awesome, awesome day. Um, as always. Let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. And go, Pat, go. For Jordan Love. 37. Here he is throwing in the middle. It's caught by Watson. He's got great speed. Turning the corner. Christian Watson down the sideline. And he will score. Whoa. Hang on. Love to Watson. To a one-score game. This one is the stunner. You basically feel like, all right, this Eagles team sort of has this thing under control. And then Christian Watson hits the Jets again. Six touchdowns now in the last three games. He is really something. When he gets in the open field and running, that was some throw by Jordan Love, too.